Mark chapter 5 in your Bibles, please. Mark chapter 5. In this particular uh, chapter, the beginning of this chapter, we find Jesus having an encounter with a demon-possessed man, the maniac of Gadara. Uh, When Christ asks the name of the spokesman for the demons, he says, My name is Legion, for we are many. Well, a Roman legion could be up to 10,000. So this man uh, may have been possessed, demonically possessed, by as many as 10,000 angels. Now, they only need to be possessed by one to be possessed. But can you imagine having 10,000 demons possessing you? Now, let me just share a couple of thoughts before we begin the message. For some people, this might be a scary message. But I want you to rest assured, read the outcome of the story, and you'll understand that our Savior is more powerful than any demonic being, uh, including the devil himself. Now, in in messages like this, sometimes the devil likes to work, because he doesn't like to have God's spokesman and God's word proclaim that he's a defeated being. Um, Another thing as we go through the message, and just a caveat, I'm not going to try to make an implication that if one of these character traits is in a person's life, I'm not saying that they're demonically possessed. I'm just going to show you that uh, unbelievers can be demonically possessed. We as believers, we cannot be. Because when we come to know Christ as our Lord and Savior... The Holy Spirit of God comes to indwell and to take up residency. And where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. We are set free from the bondage of sin and slavery and of the devil. So we'll look at some passages that go along with this as as well. So believers, however, can experience demonic oppression which is pressure from the outside, whereas possession is control from the inside. And so the devil likes to oppress. The devil likes to uh, put pressure on us spiritually. Now, even the Lord experienced that in his temptation. Uh, He was fasting for 40 days and led the spirit into the wilderness to be tempted of the devil. And the devil tempted him three times. The devil was oppressing the Lord. But the Lord overcame the devil. And so as we walk in our Christian life, we cannot be possessed. But if we get into certain characteristics that we see in our text today, we might be oppressed, might feel the pressure of the devil upon our lives, His reasons would be to discourage us, to maybe ruin our testimony of Jesus, uh, to try to destroy a local church, to destroy a home. Um, He's trying to get into your home. He's trying to get into the governor's mansion. He's trying to get into the White House. Uh, he's, He's trying to destroy lives. And so as we go through this today, I have a question for you. All right. Who controls you? Who controls you? Now, you cannot be controlled from within as a believer, but you 
can be oppressed and the devil can try to influence or control you in this way. Now, as you see, the text is Mark chapter 5, verses 1 through 20. We're going to go through these eight characteristics um, and, and go through them. All right, so as we do, let's uh, just go to Mark chapter 5 and let's read our text first and then we'll go through and look at these eight characteristics. Beginning in verse 1, And they came over unto the other side of the sea, uh, into the country of the Gadarenes. And when he was come out of the ship, immediately there came unto him out of the tombs a man uh, with an unclean spirit who had his dwelling among the tombs, and no man could bind him, no, not with chains. Because he had been often bound with fetters and chains, and the chains had been plucked asunder by him, and the fetters broken in pieces, neither could any man tame him. And always night and day he was in the mountains and in the tombs, crying and cutting himself with stones. But when Jesus Saw, but when he saw Jesus afar off, he ran and worshipped him, and cried with a loud voice and said, What have I to do with thee, Jesus, thou Son of the Most High God? I adjure thee by God that thou torment me not. For he said unto him, Come out of the man, thou unclean spirit. And he asked him, What is thy name? And he answered, saying, My name is Legion, for we are many. And he besought him much that he would not send them out of the country. Now there was nigh unto that place, the mountain, a great herd of swine feeding. And all the devils besought him, saying, Send us into the swine that we may enter into them. And forthwith Jesus gave them leave. And the unclean spirits went out and entered into the swine. And the herd ran violently down a steep place into the sea. There were about 2,000 and were choked in the sea. And they that fed the swine fled and told it in the city and in the country. And they went out to see what it was that was done. And they come to Jesus and see him that was possessed by the devil and, he, and had the legion sitting and clothed in his right mind. And they were afraid. And they, they that saw it told them how it befell to him that was possessed with the devil and also concerning the swine. And they began to pray him to depart out of their coasts. And he was come into the ship. He that had been possessed by the devil prayed him that he might be with him. Howbeit Jesus suffered him not, but saith unto them, Go home to thy friends, and tell them how great things the Lord hath done for thee, and hath compassion on thee. And he departed and began to publish in Decapolis how great things Jesus had done for him, and all men did marvel. So if you have a map in your Bible, if you find the Sea of Galilee, um, this is the region that this miracle takes place. And then Decapolis uh, was a 10-city region. Uh, some were on the west side of the Jordan, some were on the east side of the Jordan River, but mostly at the south end of the Sea of Galilee. And so this demoniac is a completely changed man, completely new person, and he begins to publish in 10 cities what great things the Lord had done for him and had compassion upon him. Now, as we go through this, all right, um, 
we want to see these eight characteristics. All right, characteristic number one, unclean. Now, this we find um, at the beginning of our chapter, all right? In verse two, there met him out of the tombs a man with an unclean spirit. Now, this is not talking about his personality, all right? This is talking, we see the, the broader context here. We see that this is a demonic being that is possessing, indwelling this man. Uh, unclean, impure, unholy, um, something that is defiled, something that is uh, filthy in the sight of God. And so this is an unclean spirit that is possessing this man. Now, there are a lot of things in life that are unclean. Um, one of the things that just amazes me is the volume of some cars, the music that's going on inside. Um, they're going to go deaf, all right? But the music that they're listening to is so unclean. The, the speech, the lyrics of the song are so unclean. The entertainment, the many times, um, even some forms of worship are unclean because they're built around the idea to please the flesh. But yet this man, he, he has a desire to, as a human being, to be delivered. And all of these things are, are taking place in his life, but he really doesn't have control over his life because he's possessed by this unclean spirit. Uh, maybe another word is guilty, right? When God is calling something unclean, he's saying that they have done something that has offended me or they have sinned against me. Well, an unclean spirit is a fallen angel. Fallen angels uh, they left, according to the book of Jude, their first habitation. They left heaven to follow Lucifer, devil, uh, and they left their first abode, and they became unclean because they sinned against God. They were lifted up in pride uh, with Lucifer against God, and God kicked them out of heaven. They were guilty of sin. And God has no sin. God is perfectly clean. And so he is being compared not to other people or even other spirits, but being compared to God. Now, the beautiful thing about us as believers, do you remember the, the passage that we memorized last year in John chapter 15? I believe it was verse 3. Now you are what? Through the word which I have spoken unto you. We are clean. So this is another reason why we as believers uh, are not possessed by an unclean spirit, because we have been cleansed. The blood of Jesus Christ cleanses us from all sin. Praise God. That's nice to know, because we're sinners. And we know that we were unclean before Christ, but when we came to know Christ, He cleansed us. Now, another passage of Scripture that you might remember is uh, in Acts chapter 10 when Peter um, is waiting for lunch to be served. He falls into, 
his dream, his trance on top of Simon the Tanner's house. And he sees this vision of um, a sheet coming down from heaven with all kinds of what unclean animals upon it, something that a Jew wasn't supposed to touch uh, or to eat. And so what makes the difference between what is clean and unclean? Well, it's the authority of God himself in pronouncing in the scripture what is clean, what is unclean. So this spirit is unclean. The spirit is guilty before God. And so uh, Titus chapter 1 verse 15 says, Unto the pure all things are pure, but unto them that are defiled and unbelieving nothing is pure, but even their mind and their conscience is defiled. Now, the defiled are those who are unbelievers. Um, but now remember 1 John chapter 3 um, tells us that we are the sons of God. Behold what manner of love the Father has given unto us that we should be called the sons of God. It goes on to say then that if we have the hope of the Lord's return in our heart, then we purify ourselves. And so this is something that we want to look at. Let's take our Bibles and go over to 1 John chapter 1, verse 7. All right, in 1 John uh, chapter 1, verse 7, uh, we're going to read down through chapter 2, verse 1. But it says, But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship one with another, and the blood of Jesus Christ his Son does what? Cleanses us from all sin, so we're clean. If we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. Verse 9, If we confess our sins... He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say that we have not sinned, we make him a liar and his word is not in us. My little children, these things I write unto you that ye sin not. And if any man sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. And he is the propitiation for our sins and not for ours only, but also for the sins of the whole world. All right. I was sharing with you at the beginning of the message, unbelievers can be demonically possessed. Believers cannot be. But we can be oppressed. Now, oppression happens when we begin to walk in the darkness and not in the light. Because when we're walking in the darkness, we're not having fellowship with Christ. We're not in communion with God. And so we have to have a walk, walk that is in the light. And if we occasionally sin, then the remedy is confession, all right? And you can do that to the Lord Jesus Christ on your own. You can confess your own sins. If we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to do what? Cleanse us from all unrighteousness so that we don't remain Unclean. Now, don't jump ahead and read into that, 
that you've lost your salvation, you get saved again. No, that, that's just not in this text, all right? But we, even if we do sin, we have a defense attorney, according to chapter 2, verse 1. We have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. And Jesus Christ is the propitiation for our sins. He's the satisfying payment for our sins. So we are safe in Christ. Now, walking in the light. 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verses 20 and 21. The Apostle Paul told the Corinthian believers that they should not have fellowship with devils. Now, what he meant by that was eating things that were sacrificed unto high idols. Because God says behind every idol is some kind of demonic presence. Right? So if you walk into a restaurant and there's an idol there, there's some kind of demonic presence at operation in that representation. Do you see why lots of places of worship that are filled with idols have demonic activity? Why some forms of worship can be unclean? I mean, I I walked into the National Cathedral in Washington, D.C., and felt such a heavy spirit of oppression that I turned around and walked out and said, I can't worship in this place. The, The imagery, the idolatry was so strong there that I just felt the presence of evil. I said, nope, not going in there. And there were some other students that also walked out and were like, well, why are you sitting outside? Well, and so two or three of us shared that same leading of the Spirit to walk out of that building. And so if we agree with God that we need to walk in the light, then What we're agreeing is that we need to have fellowship with him. We need to have a spiritual walk with him. And not to walk in an unclean way. And that we have the word of God, which is a cleansing for our souls. It's cleansing for our families. Ephesians chapter 5. Husbands are to exercise spiritual leadership in the home. uh, By just start by reading the word of God. Um, talk about the Word of God and cleanse your home. And so what a blessed way to live. Don't let the devil oppress you into thinking, acting, or feeling unclean because we are clean through the Word of God which has been spoken unto us. Now, let's look at the second thing here. As we see on the screen, uncivilized. Let's go back to Mark chapter 5. We see in verse 3, who had his dwelling among the tombs, and no man could bind him, no, not with chains, because he had been often bound with fetters and chains, and the chains had been plucked asunder by him, and the fetters broken into pieces, neither could any man tame him. He's uncivilized. It means to be without structure, to live in an unstructured life to have, if you will, a home um, and have some civilization around you. I'll tell you what, uh, years ago, when the men in the church would go camping, this is my church that I was part of up in Concord, 
we would go out into the wilderness for four days and three nights. And the whole time, we would dream about pizza. All right. We were looking forward to getting back to civilization. And there was a place in Groveland, a little uh, on Ferretti Road, there was a little pizza store there. And man, that was, that's where we stopped after every trip that we took into the wilderness. Man, it was like, it was great. You would go on hike 10, 20, 30 miles sometimes, and you had earned your pizza, right? And all the soda that you could want. And so we dreamed of getting back to civilization. Um, sometimes people want to get into civilization. Now, I'm kind of a guy, I don't like to go into San Francisco. I don't like to go into San Jose. I kind of like Hollister, all right? It's kind of nice to be down here, kind of away from things. But this man made his dwellings in the graves. Now, isn't that just kind of creepy? All right? If you ask somebody where they lived, oh, yeah, I live over there at the cemetery. I'm staying at the bottom of John Smith's tombstone. All right? Eee, that's a little weird, all right? So he's uncivilized. Um, we know that he had family because after he was in his right mind, Jesus told him to go home to his family. So he'd been away from his family. So presumably his family had a home and a house in which to live, but he rejected that structure, life. And he then lived in an uncivilized way. And so scripture records many examples of demon-possessed people um, who lived without the structure and accountability of their life. And so this characteristic, uh, though it's not reserved exclusively for the unbeliever, um, is something that we as believers can reject the authority that God and the structure that God has put in our lives. Do you know that anarchy is anarchy, whether it comes from the left or the right? Romans chapter 13 tells us, let every soul be subject unto the governing authorities. Well, if we're trying to throw off restraint, that's not good, because God has ordained authority. Um, We're trying to throw off the authority of our homes, We're trying to throw off the authority of our employers. We're trying to throw off the authority of those that are above us. Pastors. Teachers in school. And so this is a day and an age, folks, when civilization, structure, authority is attacked. Can you not see that clearly by what we see in the news and the pictures that are taking place here in California. I mean, our governor had his photo op yesterday down in L.A. Um, The trains coming out of L.A. are just being robbed and picked bare. And uh, the the trash that's all over that place, people are rejecting civilization. They're rejecting authority. And, And so what we've got going on are not just political problems, folks. These are spiritual problems. This is the oppression of the devil on California society. This is where the church has an opportunity to do something about this. Because the devil and his minions cannot stand up to the authority of the gospel when it's preached. And so we are a blessing to society if we'll get in and 
be salt and light and try to preserve civilization. Now, you know, the Lord has given us his house. This is the house of the Lord. Are you trying to work within the authority and the structure of the house of the Lord? You know, God's authority is very simple. He's the head of the church, amen? And then underneath him, he's appointed pastors and deacons. That's a very simple structure. And if you can't live with that, then that's telling you that there's some kind of oppression in your life. If you can't work with those simple structures that God has put into your life. Now, um, God has also given us a human body. And in Corinthians, this is called a tent or a dwelling place for the Spirit of God. And we need to make sure that we're using things as good stewards. And so this man lived in an uncivilized manner. And we, if you look at what's going on in society, the explosion of homelessness, and this is where I want you to be careful. I'm not saying homeless people are demonically possessed. But I can tell you that there's definitely demonic oppression taking place. Many people just choose that way of life. I know that some don't choose that way of life. And that's where we need to be the church and exercise compassion and meet necessary needs. But folks, this is the devil doing his work in our society, trying to bring it down. And so, as an unbeliever, the devil is trying to destroy our structure. You remember some of the characteristics of a demonically possessed person? It's self-harm, self-injury. A young boy would throw himself into the fire and then into the water and try to drown himself. Here the man is cutting himself. And living in this way. So that's the sign of demonic possession is self-destruction, self-harm. But for a believer, we don't have to live that way because we're under the control and the authority of God. Now, let's look here in our text, Mark chapter 5. Let's keep moving. This next one is unmanageable, unmanageable. Because he had, verse 4, often been bound with fetters and chains and the chains have been plucked asunder by him. And the fetters broken in pieces, neither could any man tame him. Um, unmanageable. Now, why do you think the people in his community were putting him in chains and fetters? You think because they hated him? I think they were probably trying to help him. Because when he's free, he's cutting himself. He's doing self-harm. He's going to try to destroy himself. And so he's unmanageable in the fact that he's throwing off restraints. No man could chain him, not even with chains. And so they're unmanageable. Um, Think about your life for just a moment. In your workplace, can you work under a manager? Are you manageable? In school, are you teachable? At home, are you amendable 
to correction based on the authority of Scripture. If not, then you need to realize that that is listening to the control and the influence of the devil if we reject what is manageable in our lives. And so we cannot refuse instructions. Proverbs chapter 1, verse 7 says, Fools despise wisdom and instruction. Well, you know, it's been said that you can tell who a fool is, but you can't tell them anything. <laughs> okay? You can tell who they are, but you can't tell them anything. So let's not be that way. All right? And so are we unmanageable in our lives? Are we unwilling to follow authorities? Are we willing to take reproof in the scriptures? Uh, Proverbs 9.9, give instruction to a wise man and he will yet be wiser. Teach a just man and he will increase in learning. Why? Because you're accepting input from others. You're showing that you have a spirit which is manageable. It's amendable. You can work with other people, whereas this man, he could not. And so if someone is always disagreeable, have to ask the question, are they following the leading of the Spirit? Are they under His control? Or are they following the flesh and the leading of the devil? So this is what we need, right? Uh, the authority of the Scripture. And I'm not saying you're disobedient people, but Hebrews chapter 13 Verse 17 tells you to submit, to obey. It uses the word obey your pastors because we have to give account to the Lord for you. Wives, it says, obey your husbands. Oh, whoa, wait a minute. Pastor, you just crossed a cultural taboo, you know? Well, God crossed that a long time ago and he warned us in the book of Genesis that home life, because of the fall, would be disruptive. So are we manageable? We have a God-given responsibility to exercise spiritual authority, and those that are underneath us need to follow. All right, listen to this next one, uncooperative. And so he did not cooperate with those that were trying to help him. He shows his lack of cooperation by breaking apart the chains and smashing the fetters into pieces. And then night and day he was in the mountains and the tombs crying and cutting himself with stones. And so the demonic uh, person here, the, the gathering, he would not let people help him. Okay? Rejected help. And oh how sad this is. That he rejected the help of those within his community. And so, so often we allow authorities to manage us and lead us, but we don't necessarily cooperate with them. Um, sometimes working with children, it, it's very interesting. You might be able to bodily get them to do what you want them to do, but you know their mind and their will is in some other place, right? They remain unbroken. Now, I don't recommend this kind of parenting for people, but uh, this happened back in the 1960s. Uh, my oldest sister, who is now a pastor's wife, and, um, she was uh, unmanageable. She was uncooperative. 
And so out of exasperation one day, my mother tackled her, I think she was 13, and sat on her back and just spanked her butt until she would cooperate, all right? And uh, it worked, praise the Lord. But we need to cooperate with people. You know, the devil has a system of management, and it's very well coordinated. Ephesians chapter uh, 6, For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, powers, rulers, and so forth. Sometimes the demons are more cooperative than we as believers in cooperating with our authorities. Um, Steve Carrington tells the story that when he was a senior in the Christian high school, he uh, began drinking, and it became known. So his pastor took him out and spent a couple of hours with him and uh, took him down to the local rescue mission, and um, they observed the, the lack of an uncooperative spirit and the chaos, the uncivilized uh, nature of, of the lifestyle of addiction and so forth. And he, he tried to tell him, Steve, if you don't cooperate with those that are trying to give you guidance in your life, you're going to end up here. Steve later on tells the sad story that his pastor was right. He would not cooperate with his parents. He would not cooperate with his teachers. He would not cooperate uh, with his managers in the workplace. He, he couldn't keep a job. And he spent 10 years of his life in addiction and under the, the oppression of the devil. And his life was being destroyed. He got himself into tens of thousands of dollars of debt. He was uncooperative. Proverbs 29, verse 1, He that being often reproved hardeneth his neck shall suddenly be destroyed. Well, as a Christian, we can't harden our neck or our heart because then we become uncooperative and we're yielding to the outside pressure of the devil and it's trying to destroy our lives. And so often here, God will reprove us often. God does not leave us to ourselves. Aren't you thankful for that? In my own Christian life, <clears throat> here's how I've prayed to the Lord sometimes when I feel a sin trying to get a hold of my heart and maybe I've been yielding to that temptation. I say something like this to the Lord. Lord, I repent of this sin. I ask you to forgive me. Thank you for your grace and your long suffering. Please don't turn me over to that sin in my life. I want to be cooperative. God, I want to work with your spirit. And God has been very gracious to not allow sin to rule and to dominate my life. We don't want to become stubborn or uncooperative. And the consequences is we can be destroyed. But God is long-suffering and that his goodness of God leads us to repentance. Then notice this next characteristic. Let's go back to Mark chapter 5. He was always night and day, was in the mountains and in the tombs. What was the next word? Crying. He's unhappy. Okay. People who are demonically possessed and demonically oppressed are unhappy people. Do you think, my thought is, that most Americans are not happy these days? 
The devil's out to destroy our nation, to destroy law and authority. And when we don't even acknowledge that there is a God, when we try to dismiss God from our academic institutions, not only do we say no prayer in public school, no Bible reading in public school, but then the teachers stand up and ridicule and mock and scorn to shame students who want to believe in the Lord. Well, no wonder why we're going to be unhappy. You know, blessed is the man who trusts in the Lord. Faith in Christ leads to joy and happiness. You know, when the Ethiopian was baptized, he went on his way rejoicing. Um, blessed is the man who walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor standeth in the way of sinners, nor sitteth in the seat of the scornful, but his delight is in the law of the Lord. People will be happy if they surrender to the Lord. We as believers will have joy if we'll yield to the Lord, but he's unhappy. And people cry all the time. People, this man was miserable. And unhappiness is found at the very root of sin in our lives. If we're unhappy, what is going on? Are we uncooperative? Are we uncivilized? Are we rejecting something that God wants to put into our life? Sometimes people don't even know why they feel miserable as they do. But you know, God has also designed a system in which joy comes from yielding to him, but unhappiness comes from yielding to the possessor or the oppressor. Now, he's also uncontrolled in the fact that he was cutting himself with stones. Um, There are a lot of things in our culture today, uh, we call them self-harm. I know uh, of a story where a young man literally would have his uh, cranium exposed because he would pick his hair out of his head, all right? And just have these oozing, bloody scabs that just self-harm. Other people cut themselves. I think there's even some resource books here, these mini counseling books about that. And, and we need to be compassionate for people in this way because there is help. And... and a lot of times, people are feeling the guilt of something, and they need to accept the fact that Christ has already paid for that. Christ has already shed his blood. He's already suffered, so we don't. And that's the, the blessing of this. But he was uncontrolled. He was an unbeliever out of control. His self-destructive behavior was another reason why his friends and family had been trying to tame him being uncontrolled here is a characteristic of an unclean spirit. And so when the devil or a demon possesses an unbeliever's body, that person loses control. I remember when I was a young pastor, I received a phone call um, at the church office one day. And um, I never met the person. I just had a brief moment over the phone. But uh, what I encountered over the phone was a, a little creepy. Uh, this person calls and says, should I uh, let angels into me? 
And I'm like, whoa, 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 slow down. All right, what, what kind of a question is that to start with? Okay. And uh, tried to share the gospel. Um, I said, have you ever let, they, they called them unholy Aryan angels. Well, they may have been high on drugs or something at the moment they made that phone call. Um, but just trying to share the gospel. Let the Holy Spirit of God in. And let him control our lives. The truth is the desire, the desire of the devil is to control us. Sin desires to control us. Just as God told Eve that your desire would be to rule over your husband, but he will rule over you, we come into the next chapter, the story of Cain and Abel, and where Cain killed his brother, it says, sin lieth at the door, it desires to control you. Have you ever heard of the law of um, the diminishing return? You do something and it brings you joy and so you do it again and, and, and so then it's not as much joy so you increase the frequency or the participation in that and then after a while there's no thrill of it anymore, there's no happiness from that activity and well we're out of control, we're in a downward spiral and so one of the things that I usually show people is uh, on a, a whiteboard I draw a circle with a downward arrow and we're spiraling out of control uh, you know even the world uses that they, they, they show you uh, the different cycles of calm but then tension begins to build and then there's an escalation and then it calms down again but then tension and escalation, and calm, and tension, and it, it, just but they're looping together, and they're spiraling out of control. Now, the good news is, the grace of God breaks that, and we can turn that downward spiral into an upward climb of steps, one step at a time, by the grace of God, and we don't have to go back to where we were, but this man was living an uncontrolled life. Romans chapter 6, verse 12 warns us, let not sin therefore reign or rule in your mortal bodies that you should obey it in its lusts or submit to it, to its desires. Verse 16 also goes on to says, Know ye not that to whom you yield yourselves servants to obey his servants ye are to whom you obey, whether of sin unto death or of obedience unto righteousness. Paul is asking us here in Romans chapter 6, don't we recognize this, that what we yield to, we allow it to control us. So who are we allowing to control our lives? This man was uncontrolled. And let's bring this message to a close. We'd have just a couple of more. Let's look now when he meets Jesus. But when he saw Jesus afar off, he came and worshipped him and cried with a loud voice and said, now this is the demon crying out. In verse 6, the man is wanting to worship Jesus. What have I to do with thee, Jesus, thou Son of the Most High God? I adjure thee by God that thou torment me not. For he said unto him, Come out of the man. Jesus had commanded the demon to leave. Thou unclean spirit. And he asked him, that's the unclean spirit, What is thy name? And he answered, saying, My name is Legion, for we are many. Well, notice verse 10. And he besought him much that he would not send them away out of the country a demonic being is unrepentant, will not turn 
in repentance to Christ in faith. That's just what we would expect out of a demon. But will we turn in repentance when we're corrected? We're going to look at a message tonight from Revelation chapter 2 and chapter 3 where God gives the church a command, repent. Will we repent when the Holy Spirit shows us what we need to repent of or will we remain hardened and unrepentant? And so these demons were unrepentant. But here's the beautiful thing is that we can have repentance towards God and faith in the Lord Jesus Christ and we can come to know the Lord as our Savior. Be repentant. And then the last one, it says here, um, that the people, when they heard what happened, they wanted to come out and see what had taken place. And they found him that had been possessed um, by the devils, sitting and clothed and in his right mind. Unclothed. Why is it in our culture today we want to strip our clothes off? Right? That's just what our culture is doing. Well, that's a sign of demonic influence. What was it when Adam and Eve sinned? What did God do for them right away? He killed an animal and made a garment to clothe them. And clothing is symbolic of our spiritual relationship with God. Are we clothed? Are we dressed in the righteousness of Christ? Now, you understand what's going on in our society. All of the the pornography, that's the work of the devil. Don't get into that. Repent of that. Um, But the way that we dress in our society, uh, folks, the scripture says that we need to dress in modesty modest apparel. But that's not the way our culture lives anymore. Um, But unclothed, but are we clothed with the righteousness of Christ? Are we clothed with the Spirit of God? You know, this is one of the easiest ways to tell when the Holy Spirit has come into the inner man of a person. Because when he comes in, right away he has control. And the way that people dress, the way that they uh, relate to one another, it's almost overnight you become a completely different person. And the change that has taken place is when God controls us. The Holy Spirit of God works in our lives. Now, the eight characteristics that were here. All right, um, they're unclean, uncivilized, unmanageable, uncooperative, unhappy, uncontrolled, unrepentant, unclothed. But I have one other question for you. Those of us that are saved, are we unthankful? The demoniac was so thankful, he was willing right then and there I want to be a disciple. I will follow Jesus wherever he's going. I want to be with him. Jesus said, no, that's not what I want you to do. I want you to go home. I want you to live this new life in front of your family. I want you to go back to the cities that you do business in. 
and I want you to live in front of Decapolis and tell them what great things the Lord has done for you. Many times what is taking place in our lives uh, when we have these characteristics may be because we've forgotten to be thankful to God. We're saved people. We're on our way to heaven. We have the Holy Spirit of God living with inside of us. We are blessed people. 